seated. Nine years ago today, a 17-year-old girl in the church I grew up in died by suicide. The tiny, poignant moments after Emma's death forever redefined the meaning of church for me. They left slivers of memories that will stay with me the rest of my life. The, the roughness of the dilapidated couch in our youth group barn I, I curled up in as teenagers from my high school came into the room. The way the, the pew shook as my mother sobbed beside me at Emma's packed and overflowing funeral. The sound of my minister's voices as he transformed his grief into poetry and as she spoke of her vision of Emma enveloped in a great big bear hug by her late church mentor at the gates of heaven. When I first glimpsed for the first time what it looks like for clergy to grieve and at the same time hold everyone's grief. There are precious few things in this life more meaningless than suicide or the loss of a child. If there is meaning to be found in such a tragedy, it is in the beauty and the joy of the life, all too short life, lived. Yet in the past week or so, you may have heard or read of people trying to make sense of the two suicides of celebrities, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, trying to uncover the reasons or searching for some sort of meaning or lesson in their deaths. And it's a natural response. It's to search for explanations for, for deaths like these so we can make sure it never happens again. But as a hospital, I, I have seen, I have seen how powerful it is to find, find meaning in tragedy. I have seen it transform a life. I have seen it save one. And as a, as a religious person, I am fully convinced of the power of meaning making in ordinary and extraordinary circumstances. And and as a hospital chaplain, I saw the shadow side of this urge. I saw how the task of searching for a silver lining can become another burden for the suffering to shoulder. I know that everything happens for a reason, patients would say to me in a, in a moment of honesty tinged with guilt. But I just can't right now. I heard how some patients, well-intentioned family and friends and even pastors had told them, God does not give us more than we can handle. 
I saw those words strangle my patients' attempts to feel what they were feeling. Anger, sadness, despair. So many of my patients weren't ready to feel grateful or hopeful. Not now, not yet. And still, some of them felt they should be. That the chaplain was there to tell them they had to be. That their faith told them they had to be. But if I was there to tell them anything, it was this. There is no wrong way to grieve. There is no timeline or time limit to pain. There is no one prescribed path through sorrow. When it comes to grief, there is no should. Jesus teaches that the kingdom of God is like when someone scatters seed. The sower goes about his life, waking and sleeping, and all the while, the seeds sprout and grow. The sower could not tell you how they grow, but grow they do, bit by bit. Somehow, the sower knows when the grain is ready to be harvested. Perhaps, too, the sower could not tell you how she knows, but know she does. See, we, we Christians, we're, we're trained to dig through the manure and taught to unearth the tiny mustard seed of good news and hold it up for the world to see. But sometimes, sometimes the harvest isn't ready yet. For some of us, it may never be, not in our lifetime. And in those times, maybe it's best to leave the seeds in the ground, to struggle through our days, waking and sleeping, trusting that the seeds are there, even though we cannot see them. Someday, maybe, we just might look over our life and realize that a few of the seeds are ready to be harvested, even if we cannot now imagine how. Here's what I've come to know. If there were seeds planted nine years ago, they were planted not by Emma's death, but by the life-changing overflow of grief pouring out into the world. The grief of a mother and a father who love their child with a fierce, fierce love and love her still. The grief of pastors that were there before the police arrived to close the eyes of the beloved child of God they helped to raise. The grief of a church mourning its own and at the same time opening its doors wide to a whole town, sending its ministers into the corridors of the high school, sheltering teenagers in its branches. Grief, writes Jamie Anderson, 
is really love. It's all the love you want to give but cannot give. The more you love someone, the more you grieve. All of that unspent love gathers up in the corner of your eyes and in that part of your chest that gets hollow and empty. Grief is just love with no place to go. And yet, sometimes, when grief is shared, when love is scattered by a caring community, that love does not go to waste. In God's hands, in God's time, some of that love finds new places to burrow and take root. The love that created Emma, the love created by Emma, that love is creating still. It's growing from the scattered seeds of her parents' tireless efforts in suicide prevention and mental illness awareness. In the yearly scholarship, they award to a talented high school musician in Emma's name, growing in each and every single one of us who were shaped by her story. We will never know how far afield love has flung its seeds. Just as we will never know the full yield of the harvest, not until all is said and done. For now, it is enough for a tragedy to stay a tragedy. For now, for as long as it takes. See, it is always enough for you to remain a seed, to lie buried in the ground and waiting, just as it is enough to be a fragile sprout, enough to timidly hold out your branches for a small, weary bird seeking home, enough to look back only later, decades later, lifetimes later, and glimpse the hand of God at work. And it is enough to never see it. It is enough to never understand how any of this could ever be a seed. Seen or unseen, understood or beyond all understanding, the kingdom of God is growing, creating of itself. God from God, love from love. <laughs>